Did you ever feel like what you learned in law school didn't prepare you for the world of running a law practice? Law school didn't teach us how to start our practices the right way so that we could scale them into a thriving business. We didn't learn how to make sure that our businesses would meet our financial goals and provide the type of lifestyle we deserve. After 10 years, I was fed up with struggling in my practice and decided to begin a journey to scaling a successful practice that would actually allow me to finally live the life I've always dreamed of. I invite you to listen in on the conversations I'm having with some of the most successful solo and small firm practitioners, along with leading business entrepreneurs, and share how I am implementing what I am learning, all with the goal of helping you take control of your practice and your life. This is The Law Entrepreneur. Hello, fellow law entrepreneurs. Neil Tyra here. Today, we get the opportunity to chat with Chris Berry, a friend of mine who practices estate planning and elder law just outside of Detroit, Michigan. One of the things you're going to hear Chris talk about is how he came to the realization that he didn't really much like conflict. And so being in a courtroom and being a litigator was not something for him. And that's how he managed to migrate to elder law and estate planning. So sit back and listen to Chris Berry. Chris Berry, how the heck are you? Neil, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. That's awesome to hear. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and your family, too. Thank you. Chris is a friend of mine who practices law out in Michigan. In uh, where's, where's the city again? Yep. So I have a couple offices. My main office is in Brighton. It's about an hour outside uh, Detroit. It's it's nice little rural community with a little main street. Uh, and then I have a couple of offices throughout Metro Detroit. And that's that's west of uh, Detroit, north of Ann Arbor, if I remember correctly. Exactly. You, you know your mittens. <laughs> so Chris practices in the area of elder law, Medicaid planning, veterans benefits, and estate planning. So basically provides elder law services to those in need in uh, in Michigan. Aside from that, he's also an adjunct professor at the uh, Western Michigan University Cooley Law School, where he teaches elder law, and also an accomplished author, having written the book, The Caregiver's Legal Guide to Planning for a Loved One with Chronic Illness. Does that about sum up your career there, Chris? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's it. it. It certainly keeps me busy and out of trouble. Well, describe your practice for me, if you would. Sure. Yeah. So uh, my practice, like you said, I focus on estate planning and elder law. And what I like to say is that uh, we help people through the navigate the long-term care maze. A lot of uh, just typical estate planning attorneys, they only focus on what happens if you pass away. Well, we, I think that's the easy part. What we do is we focus on not only what happens if you pass away, where your stuff goes, but also what happens if you don't and you continue to age and face all the issues that go along with aging, whether it's Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, or just the frailties of aging. A lot of my clients are not necessarily concerned about uh, federal estate taxes or $10 million, where, where's their estate going? They're average, average Joes that are just concerned about uh, long-term care costs, avoiding probate, making sure their kids get the stuff that they work so hard for, and looking at ways that we can protect those things, protecting against probates, unnecessary taxes, long-term care costs, and, and uh, divorces, lawsuits, creditor actions, those types of things. Sure. What drew you to elder law? Well, I knew going through law school, I did one summer at uh, a federal with a fe- clerking for a federal judge 
uh, learning research skills. And that was a little slow for me, just kind of staring at a computer, reading cases all day. Then the next summer, I spent at the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. Uh, Wayne County, that's where Detroit is. That was a little uh, a little too stressful for me. Uh, a lot I, of business, I suspect, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're busy down there. So uh, quickly, I learned that I didn't want to be involved in courts. I don't like uh, involving myself in, in that much stress and conflict. I'm one of those rare attorneys that don't like to argue, and it's relatively minor. Uh, I like to keep to myself, so to speak. So in my undergrad was in finance and psychology, uh, which is an interesting mix. So when I was identifying which area of law that I wanted to practice on, I fell onto or fell into or decided upon estate planning because it's an area of practice where I can choose my schedule. Uh, quality of life is very important to me. So if I want to skip out to go to my son's soccer game, I can certainly do that. I don't have to run it by opposing counsel or a judge uh, to do that. And then it's very low in terms of conflict where I'm not uh, fighting anyone. I'm not fighting courts or other uh, attorneys. And then the most important thing is at the end of the day, I'm just helping people. Like it's just rewarding. I'm 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 just helping families kind of navigate through this this process, and especially on the elder law side of things, which uh, naturally evolved from the estate planning side. So, if estate planning is planning for what happens if you pass away, my clients weren't passing away; they were just aging, and their parents were aging. And so, I developed this elder law practice as well. It's really rewarding on the elder law side of things because a lot of times we're we're meeting with families quite often, uh, meeting the whole family, and quite often we end up getting paid in hugs where they're hugging us and thanking us so much at, at the end of the day, and it's it's just rewarding knowing that I'm doing good for this family. Well, as as you know, uh, Chris, I I too have migrated my practice to elder law and estate planning, and a mutual friend of ours once said to me, I'm sure he said it to you as well that uh, nobody likes, in general, going to their attorney because they're going there because they've had a car accident or they're getting divorced or they're being sued or what have you. If you want clients who really like coming to see you, practice elder law. Yeah, it, it's it's rewarding. Like Just the good that we do for these families, and we really get to know the whole family, where I'm not meeting with uh, uh, just mom or dad, but I'm, I'm meeting with the whole family. The way I look at it is, is people kind of view estate planning as just checking the box, getting it done. Oh, I got my trust done. I got my will. Versus if we can put together an elder law plan for, let's say, uh, husband's in a nursing home, wife's uh, healthy, and, and we can save that wife $10,000 a month. Uh, it's just so thankful. It's rewarding. I like to say that we're the the good guy lawyers versus uh, some of the other attorneys out there. Exactly. So after you did your uh, sentence in the prosecutor's office, um, <laughs> did you go straight into solo practice? Uh, and, and that's that's a great way to, great way to put it. Actually, no. I coming out of law school, I had a corporate concentration. So I started out at a corporation reviewing contracts. And that was so mind-numbingly boring that I had to do something else. It felt like I was li- living a Dilbert-type life where I was just sitting there staring at a computer screen all day, just like uh, when I was clerking for that federal judge. So I kind of plotted my exit from corporate law pretty quick uh, from getting into that position. Helped pay off some student loans, but quickly identified that I wanted to get into a smaller practice where I was uh, just working with clients. Uh, so as I was still working at the corporate gig, I started plotting my escape 
uh, so to speak. Uh, didn't plot it very well because when I started, I really didn't have much in terms of savings or network or anything else, but I did have the necessary knowledge to get started in estate planning. And so uh, I basically started off uh, in a small firm where there was uh, three younger attorneys uh, along with one senior attorney who basically was supposed to manage us and kind of mentor us. But quickly, the three of us realized that she had no idea what she was doing. Uh (laughs) And so the three of us young attorneys, all probably a year or two out of law school, uh, started our own practice together, the three of us. And it was a siloed practice where we each had our own practice, our own clients, kind of managed our own money, but we shared expenses. So in reality, I, I, I was on my own, but we shared expenses. And then the two other attorneys weren't too successful and ended up, uh, I think one stopped practicing pretty quick, uh, moved back out of state. Uh, and then the other one, I think still is practicing, but uh, we split ways shortly thereafter where I was on my own. So from law school, I had a short stint at a corporate gig where I was just miserable. Uh, and then basically I went on my own, focusing entirely on estate planning at that point. So now how long have you been a solo? Well, I've I've been associating myself with other attorneys where we share expenses, but basically I've been on my own for 10 years at this point. Great. And uh, you mentioned you had uh, one main office and a couple of satellite offices. Obviously, you weren't. Uh, you didn't have to throw in the towel and go back to uh, flipping burgers. To the extent that you're comfortable, tell us how successful has your practice been? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's been great. It's, it's very rewarding. I, it's built around my lifestyle. It's uh, pretty successful. I have a, uh, I'll just, uh, I have a staff of, at this point, five. Uh, we're bringing on another uh, paralegal, hiring an associate coming on at the end of the month. Uh, so it, it's doing very well. Uh, Good. I'm not working a ton of hours. I'm able to skip out for uh, uh, to spend time with uh, my kids. For example, uh, last week I went to my daughter's dance recital. In addition to my, my law practice, I have some other hobbies, and, and we talked about this. Neil uh, got into jujitsu and uh, co-own a CrossFit gym, so get a lot of traveling in, taking family on a cruise next month. So it, life's good. I, I certainly can't complain. Good. I was going to get to that a little later on, but since you brought it up for the, for our listeners here, I mean, Chris is is an entrepreneur from sunup to sundown, not just with his law firm, but as you heard. He's also a co-owner of a CrossFit gym, sometimes referred to as a CrossFit box, and is, uh, I guess, recently took up uh, the, the hobby of uh, jiu-jitsu. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I'm, I'm hooked on it. Uh, it. It's a great way to relieve stress, and I always like to kind of keep my body moving, and I like to think of it as chess using the human body. It, so, it both your mind and your body. So between... Uh, the law practice, lifting weights, and rolling around on the mat, your day is pretty full. Oh, yeah. And then I get home, and then I uh, roll around on the on the floor with my kids. You, I have two young children. You wrangle two kids, right? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. You, you talked about your staffing. You said you had uh, a five five folks in, in the office, and you're adding another one. Describe you know how, how that is broken down, how you're organized, if you would. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So I, I employ people both in my office and out of my office. In my office, I have my receptionist. I have uh, what's called a client service coordinator. And then I have a paralegal and then two benefit specialists where they're doing veterans and Medicaid uh, applications. 
And then also I have an office manager. So I guess that would be six at this point. One of the uh, uh, benefit specialists is part-time. And then we're bringing on another part-time paralegal, which will be going full-time. And then uh, also bringing on another attorney to handle me with clients and, and do some of the work that I'm doing that only an attorney can do. So right now, you're the only attorney in your six-person office? Correct. Okay. Yeah. What area of the solo practice have you found to be the most challenging so far? Well, I think the challenges change depending on where you're at along the journey. Certainly, when I was starting out, I started out in a 400-square-foot office with no windows. You couldn't (laughs) open a door with having another chair next to my desk at the same time. So the challenges starting out were just getting people in the door. And then once you get people in the door, then your next challenge is how do you get the work done? And then from there, you start bringing on staff. And then you have staffing issues of how do you manage the staff? And so I think whether it's a law practice or you're an entrepreneur in any other environment, you're facing different challenges. And then that's why I think you can certainly learn from other areas. Uh, so I do a lot of uh, learning from other business owners other than just attorneys because we we run into similar issues. Probably about two years ago, I was running up uh, and basically my, my practice had plateaued because I don't really see myself as a great manager and nor do I want to be a manager of people. And so my practice plateaued where I wasn't really growing because I was afraid of bringing on additional staff because I couldn't manage it until I brought in an office manager. And that freed me up to kind of face the next set of challenges. So now my challenges are, how do I bring on another attorney, basically open up another office uh, about an hour, uh, hour and a half from my main office? Uh, so I think it's always a different set of challenges. But uh, I know when I first started, the, the issues were, how do I get clients in the door? How do I get the work done? And it was a little bit of a, a hamster wheel of I'd work hard to, to bring clients in the door. And then oh, I have to get on the hamster wheel of doing all the work and then looking down the pipeline and seeing nothing coming in the door. How do you manage that? And I think through, through learning, through trial and error, through learning from uh, other people, that's how, how you figure out those issues. And it's just a matter of trying to find people who are ahead of you at the journey, on the journey to learn how they address those challenges as they come up. Well, I think that's probably true for most businesses and certainly most new law firms that the number one issue that I hear most often of people contemplating starting a law firm or starting any other type of businesses, where are the customers? Where are the clients going to come from? How am I going to get them in the door? Whether you are starting a solo straight out of law school or you are migrating from another environment, up to that point, you probably haven't had the responsibility of bringing clients in the door and getting new clients. How did you go about doing that? Well, you hit the nail on the head. I think that's the biggest issue is getting clients in the door because that's not taught in law school. Like We never had a marketing class in law school. And I think I had a leg up in the sense that my background was actually finance and psychology, especially the psychology. I joke around now that I use my psychology degree more than my law degree, because that's understanding people, what makes people tick. So I think that was actually one of my biggest strengths was understanding how important the marketing piece was versus maybe the technical skill. Now that said, I'm a certified elder law attorney, which is the top designation available for a state planning elder law attorney. And I'm a professor. And so I certainly know my stuff and I've written a, a book on it. But I think when starting out, 
my advantage was that I looked at it as a business and that the first most important thing was that I needed to get clients in the door because I could be the greatest lawyer in the world. But if the phone wasn't ringing, I wouldn't have a chance to express that gift. So when I was starting out, uh, I had more time than money. Like, like I said, I didn't really plan very well. I didn't have uh, savings or anything to draw off of in the beginning. Uh, so I had more time on my hands. So what I did is uh, I went out and networked. I met people. I identified what my target market was, kind of who my ideal client was. And then I identified the other service professionals that worked in that target demographic. So for me as an estate planning attorney, I started out uh, meeting with basically any financial advisor uh, within 20 miles of where I set up shop. And I'd spend more time at Starbucks meeting uh, financial professionals and other referral sources than I was in my office. And I think that's what you need to do. Now, I had a, a right before uh, we got on the call together, I was talking to another attorney who just passed the bar exam and was opening up his uh, a new office. And, and we we're talking about ways to bring in clients. He has some family money, so his situation was a little different. And I, was, and I told him the same thing. Everything in life is time or money. Instead of sitting at Starbucks all day, maybe you use some of that money you have and, and do some marketing. And for him, I recommended some direct marketing where maybe you set up some dinner seminars, inviting people to come and listen to you speak. And, and that's really what I'm doing a lot more now is trying to leverage my, my time because now I have more money than time. So right. instead of sitting at Starbucks all day meeting potential referral sources, I'm doing a lot of things, spending money on the internet, spending money doing direct mailers, spending money uh, getting people into presentations where instead of sitting across from one potential client, I'm sitting across from 40 potential clients. Well, I want to explore that a little bit and point out to our listeners that initially when you were talking about marketing, you were talking about marketing referral sources, people who could help steer business to your front door. And now, uh, while you may still be doing that to some extent, your marketing efforts have also branched out to addressing larger groups of individuals who potentially themselves could be clients. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. My my feeling is that you can't put all of your eggs in one one basket. So I still do some some networking with potential referral sources, but I'm not sitting there at Starbucks all day anymore. Now I'm going more directly to the potential clients, advertising to the potential client. But I, I've done similar strategies in terms of uh, marketing directly to referral sources too, where I'll invite them in for continued education and try to get 20 financial planners in my office or 20 CPAs in my office. Uh, it's the difference between going directly for the fruits or going for the tree that can produce a lot of fruit. Exactly. And so let's talk a little bit about what your marketing efforts are right now. You mentioned dinner seminars. What else are you doing? Sure. Yeah. So we're doing uh, dinner seminars. Uh, I have a lot, a pretty active website where I get a lot of clients who go to my website, download free reports, and then from there, they decide to set up meetings. Uh, we're doing uh, Facebook ads as well as Google ads. Uh, plus, I'm pretty techy, so I've been blogging since about 2007. So organically, my law firm website shows up pretty well. And then I also have some other subdomains where they can find information and get hooked up with my law firm. So direct mailers, dinner seminars, clients, referral meetings, referral sources, Internet probably are the big three. And then we do some uh, local 
community involvement where I'm involved with Alzheimer's Association here and some other organizations. So uh, I break it down really into a couple different categories, uh, internet, direct advertising, referral sources, networking, and then also at this point, just past clients. Uh, one of the things that is, is we have a, a process where we try to get referrals from our clients as well. Interesting. So in that conversation, there was a lot of discussion about technology. I gather technology plays a a fairly significant role in the development of your firm? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I consider myself a little, kind of a, a closet geek when it comes to these types of things. Big Apple fan. and Well, let me suggest so. that you're not quite such a closet <laughs> geek. It's pretty, pretty apparent. Sure. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. But yeah, yeah, inter- technology, the internet, it's, it's, I, I think it, it's certainly the way to go. I, I was basically paperless as as much as possible from the get-go at this point uh we don't have any servers in our office uh we use dropbox business dropbox uh, for all of our stuff we use google apps evernote uh, we have a pretty pretty powerful uh, uh crm program that we use we have email automation in terms of email marketing so i'm i'm, I'm trying to stay uh, on top of the technology piece so what what products are you using along those lines? Are you using uh, Infusionsoft or Aweber or? Sure. So I used to use Infusionsoft in the past. I, I had used it for about three years, but just like I think ninety five percent of the other people that use Infusionsoft, they only use a piece of it. So what I found was a program that does just the piece of it that I need. Uh, so I'm using a program now called Active Campaign that allows me to segment my list, to deliver reports have triggers built in there, all of the email marketing piece of Infusionsoft, but I didn't really need a shopping cart and some of the other things that go with Infusionsoft. Right. So it's, a, it's more streamlined for exactly what my needs are. Uh, I also had Aweber and, and I've explored MailChimp and some of the other ones, but based on what my needs were, uh, Active Campaign was the one that I selected. And you also mentioned that you were doing both Facebook ads and Google ads. Talk a little bit about those, if you would. Sure. Yeah. So there's really two ways people can find us on the internet. And uh, I think more and more having a, a strong internet presence is probably one of the most important things uh, moving forward. Certainly not yellow book or yellow pages anymore. But I know, especially for my generation, I'm on the internet all day. If I have a question, first thing I do is I Google it. So I'm big, strong, heavily invested into having a web presence. And there's two ways that people can find you, either through organic search engine optimization or through paid ads. And so I didn't do paid ads in the past, but uh, within the last year, we've started doing both Facebook ads as well as Google AdWords, not spending a ton of money, not spending, uh, I know the personal injury attorneys are spending a, a ton of money on it, but I am spending a little bit of money on both Facebook ads as well as Google ads. And really what I'm doing is I'm directing them to a landing page where it gives them the opportunity to download a free report to then develop a relationship with them. And then in, in my practice, on the estate planning side, people aren't, there's not really a burning need like there is, say, a personal injury case. But on the elder law side, if you're paying $10,000 a month and you're interested in Medicaid planning, uh, then there certainly is a burning need and and people are going to be searching uh, online for that late at night. And hiring an attorney, it's a little bit about relationships. So I don't try to kind of convert them right away. But what I do is I provide them information and then I just follow up or drip on them. I think it's a really important point because as an elder law practitioner, you don't have the same external 
your clients would have the same external motivation causing them to reach out to, to you as, say, a personal injury uh, client would have. Personal injury, have an accident, first thing you do, you go look up an attorney, you do a search on attorneys in your area. But with an elder law client, you really want, it's all about fostering a relationship, as you said. So you want to get them aware of your capabilities and then slowly develop over time a relationship. And it seems like you're doing that through the reports that they're able to get from you and as a result, an ongoing email campaign. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's a great summary. And, and basically what we do is we give them kind of different options based on where they're at and how quickly they're ready to move forward. We can continue to drip and provide more information, or you can even attend one of our workshops, or you can sit down for a consultation. So we, we give them different options in terms of how ready they are to, to move forward. Now, I noticed on your, web, your website, you did mention about workshops, uh, client workshops. What's that all about? Yeah. So we do basically two types of presentations or, or two ways or two, two types of public speaking to generate business. One is uh, we'll do a dinner seminar where we'll do a direct mailing to try to uh, invite people to a dinner workshop where we'll provide them dinner and then provide them information and then ask them if they want to move forward. And then also we have ongoing workshops. We try to have one workshop a week in our office. Generally, these workshops are the way that if someone was referred to our office, uh, a way to educate them prior to them coming in to sit down with an attorney. So this is a way that if say, uh, Jim Smith CPA refers a client for an estate plan, we do things a little differently. So rather than taking two and a half hours in an initial consultation, I'll take an hour and a half to speak to, say, 20 clients coming through a process to really educate them. And then I only need to have hour-long consultation meetings when I actually sit down with them because I've provided them the, the education. Because for a lot of times, for a lot of families, this this might be their first time going through this estate planning process, or they haven't done it for 10, 15 years. And, and then the way that we do things is very different than your typical estate planning attorney. So there's a lot of time spent educating clients. And rather than doing that one-on-one, uh, -on -one, uh, I like to do that in a group format. Again, everything in life is, is time or money. And for me, time is one of the most valuable things. I want to be spending time with my kids or doing jiu-jitsu or doing CrossFit, minimizing the time I'm, I'm spending in the office unnecessarily. Well, I think that's just so um, you know, farsighted on your part because you can't get away from the necessity of having to educate the potential client because they come into our offices with questions galore. And if you are constantly teaching the same basic estate planning issues over and over again for every consultation that you have, you're, you're, you're wasting a lot of time. Doing it in a group setting such as your workshops really shows a lot of foresight. Yeah, and really it's best for the client because what it does is it allows us that when we're meeting one-on-one -on -one with a client, we've already established what the legal world looks like. Yeah. And really that's what this planning process is, is combining the legal world, my world, with their world, their family. So the workshop provides us as a way to educate them on, look, this is what my world looks like. And then when we sit down together one-on-one, -on -one, that's already taken care of and we can spend all of the time talking about what's going on in their world. And then from that, we put together a plan 
really more as partners than me as the attorney just telling them what they need. Well, that sounds terrific, Chris. As we start and wind this thing down, it sounds like you're, you're doing just gangbusters, a lot of, lot of great ideas and a lot of great uh, results. I'm sure along the, the way, however, you must have had, oh, maybe, I'm guessing maybe one failure, one thing that didn't go quite as well as you had hoped. <laughs> sure. Would yeah. you like to kind of share maybe, I don't know, maybe your worst failure with everybody? Yeah. Well, just, and I think being an entrepreneur, running your own law practice, you have a whole slew of failures. I could talk about workshops where we did a mailer and, and no one showed up, uh, where we've gotten dates wrong and all kinds of silly things pop up all the time. Uh, but I guess the one thing that I can think of just off the top of my head is just understanding that things that happen in your personal life, in your business life, they're connected. And a lot of the the people, a lot of things, a lot of the the business problems we see are really personal problems in disguise. Yeah. Where if you're messy at home, then your business is going to end up being messy. And uh, so there's about a year where I was going through some family issues, a lot of it out of my hands, but it really affected my business. And uh, I, I really beat myself up over the fact that why is why is why am I down this year? But then when you take into account kind of what was going on with my uh, my parents were going through some health issues and just I, I had a lot going on, then that that really freed me up and, and released a lot of the guilt I had about what was going on in my business uh, during that time. So I think one of the most important things is just understanding that it's all connected. And that's why I do a lot of the things I do in terms of CrossFit and try to eat right, because it's all connected. If If you're you're unhealthy, it's going to affect your business. If you're low in energy, not sleeping right, not eating right, you're going to be low energy when you're in your practice. So uh, just understanding that everything's connected. Uh, you can't compartmentalize things the, the way sometimes you, you wish you, you could. And I'm guessing that insight also extends to how you relate to your staff. Would you notice problem areas in the office? I'm guessing that you also look to see if there's an underlying personal cause. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's probably one of the my uh, lessons or failures was going so long without bringing in an office manager. Because as, as an entrepreneur, as a lawyer, sometimes you think you can do everything and you certainly can't. Uh, and the sooner that you realize what your strengths or weaknesses are, uh, the better off you are. And once I realized that managing people was a weakness for me, I just bring in someone that, that that's a strength for them and that we're all different. And uh, kind of goes back to the, the psychology. I'm, I'm a big fan of personality tests and understanding that everyone's different and has different needs and motivations. So probably waiting too long to, to bring on an office manager is probably one of the, the, the mistakes I, I had or failures, I guess. Great. Well, in, in uh, summary here, Chris, is there a particular resource, a book, a vendor, a event? that you take advantage of now or that you appreciate now that you wish you had uh, taken advantage of earlier? Uh, well, I'm a big fan of, of just learning from other people and other people even outside of uh, the practice uh, of law. Uh, there's been some great people I've met along my journey. Mark Miranda, Smart Marketing, uh, Michael Port, uh, Book Yourself Solid. One of the things, uh, just uh, as, as we're having this conversation, one of the things, uh, one of my goals, uh, this is early in 2016, uh, one of my goals this year is to read a book a, a week. So I want to complete 52 books in, in one year. And I'm reading a book right now that I wish I had read probably 10 years ago. It's called Pitch, Pitch Anything. Pitch Anything. We'll put yeah. that in our, our show yeah. notes. Who's that by? 
you know what? I don't. Uh, his name. I, his name's escaped. I want to say I, his name's escaping me. Off. So we'll have it in the show notes. Don't worry. Yeah, but but I'm I'm in the middle of reading it right now, and it's probably one of the best books I've ever read in terms of just being able to get a point across. And really, we pitch anything that we do, whether I'm trying to pitch my kids on eating their broccoli, but especially with regards to business and trying to retain clients, pitch anything is a a great resource. I wish I had read that probably 10 years ago. Well, you mentioned Michael Port. I'm just sitting here at my desk looking at his new book, Steal the Show, which I was uh, lucky enough to see him uh, present on and get a copy of. So that's, that's on my list here to read. Yeah, in addition to Michael Port's uh, Steal Your Show, he has a uh, book called Book Yourself Solid, which was one of the first books I read when I was starting my practice. Book Yourself Solid, uh, The E-Myth is also a great book. But uh, right now, Michael Port, uh, he's big into speaking. And I went to a speaking training, uh, which was just outstanding. As someone who's a, a very heavy introvert, being able to uh, present and present well was very helpful to my practice. So uh, that would also be something I'd recommend. Well, especially for attorneys, whether you're litigating or getting in front of uh, a a corporate board or standing before workshops such as your clients. So getting your your message across and presenting well is is terribly important. Uh, Of course, yeah. All right, Chris. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your busy day to be on The Law Entrepreneur. And I hope you become a fan of the show. And I'll get back to you here shortly. Great. Thanks, Neil. Thanks ever so much. Well, there you have it, fellow law entrepreneurs. Thank you for listening and being a part of today's program. The utmost compliment you could pay me is to go over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave a strong five-star review if you think the podcast and what we're trying to do here is worthwhile. Feel free to share the link to the podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers. I would be very appreciative if you did. So until next time, thanks again for listening to The Law Entrepreneur.